Welcome to another episode of the Neoliberal Round podcast. I'm Ronaldo McKenzie. Today is part two of the series, Castro v. Trump, where John Anthony Castro, the main plaintiff of this lawsuit, who is also the U.S. Republican 2024 presidential candidate, is running against a field of his peers to capture the nominee. And here is Mr. John Anthony Castro. How are you, John? Good, good. Uh, give me one second. I'm just going to make an adjustment. Uh, there we yes. go. All right. I have some sensitive welcome, information welcome. on my uh, my screens here, so I wanted to make sure it was blurred out. <laughs> yes. All right. Let me actually because the Ah, Mr. John Anthony Castro. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah, thank you, thank you. There we go. And um, we had part one, and we thought we we provided an update as to what's going on with the Castro v. Trump lawsuit. But before we get into that, there is major news. Uh, Mr. John, sorry, Mr. Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, is right now in court. I believe he's in court. Um, yeah, he just pleaded not guilty, and, uh, and they're they're processing. And I have several questions because I, what, I don't know if you're aware of what the 34 felonies are. How does this election violation affect the indictment, um, which is part of the felonies? And um, so I want to, I don't know if you, if you can get into that a little bit. But officially, officially, I want to say this. And I actually just tweeted, I said, Trump did not want to run for president due to your case. But he also had to run to avert the DOJ's indictment. So in a sense, he said he was surprised, but was he cornered? Because here is it that you were filing a suit against him, um, against the FEC saying that he should be eligible to run because he violated section three of the 14th amendment. According to the, that case was dismissed because according to the judge, um, FEC is only responsible to regulate campaign financing. Did that have any bearing on this DOJ's um, indictment? Well, so it's important to remember that uh, there's a so at the federal level, he's still under investigation at the state level. The district attorney uh, brought a state grand jury indictment. Um, And that's because the Manhattan district attorney, Alvin uh, Bragg, is not subject to the DOJ policy that they don't indict an active candidate for the presidency of the United States. And so uh, so, yes, you know. When I initially brought this suit against the FAC and started putting pressure on Trump, he was advised by his attorneys that uh, now would be a good time to announce his candidacy, become an official candidate, because if not, it was in this gray area where he was effectively campaigning, but technically still testing the waters. And so Merrick yeah. Garland and the, uh, and the federal DOJ were analyzing whether they could still go after him. But Merrick Garland said, no, it's not just uh, presidential candidates, but pol- what he called politically sensitive individuals. So, you know, that's it, it's it's vague, right? You know, it, it, it there's a lot of ambiguity there. Like, you know, what what the hell does that even mean? And so, uh, you know, this this uncertainty at the federal level and this lack of uh, of, of having a spine at the federal level um, was was frustrating to state level. But at the same the same time, uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg was basically like, hey, well, DOJ can have its policy, but the law is the law. It's supposed to be blind, right? You know, you don't you don't have a separate class. Like the political ruling class is untouchable, uh, is effectively what Merrick Garland's, uh, you know, uh, opinion and policy was stating. And Alvin Bragg said, no, you know, this is an individual that did 
and it's important if you if you research this, you'll see that former vice presidential candidate John Edwards uh, yes. back in 2004 was convicted of the same exact offense. Oh, he wow. Paid, yeah, he was. yeah, he paid money to a woman he impregnated while his wife was dying of cancer. And, uh, you know, the Fox News just absolutely trashed him. But when you look at it, it's the same thing. It, it's a presidential or vice presidential candidate paying hush money to a mistress. And when that's done in the course of a campaign, then, uh, you know, that's that's considered, you know, a, a campaign expense and a campaign violation. And at that time, Fox News jumped all over John Edwards, right? You know, like, oh, he's, he's you know, some of the earth and all this. And, and there's no question it's a crime. And right now, you know, the uh, scene, just the hypocrisy on Fox News, you know, as they're saying, like, you know, how is paying off a, a, a porn star, you know, considered a campaign contribution? I, I didn't hear you making that objection back in 2005 when John Edwards was under federal indictment. So everybody at that time, even Democrats, you know, universally agreed at that point. They were just like, yeah, that's a campaign finance violation. And, you know, they did not try to defend him at all. You know, they pretty much just said, yeah, he screwed up and that's it. Um, and uh, by again, the way, yeah. and McCarthy, I think, sorry for, but Pence and McCarthy, is, Pence and McCarthy and several other of your Republican friends are opposing this arraignment saying that it, or indictment saying that it is politically motivated, they are, and while they are not denying that he did it, they are not. But they are, they are fighting it, saying that it is opposed. Um, it is politically motivated, and they are opposing that. Um, what does that say of the Republican Party and holding people accountable? Accountable. Yeah, it just again, you know, it's uh, you know, uh, it's it, it's just classical hypocrisy from from the current Republican Party that is in desperate need of being yes. saved uh, by a, a true conservative that actually. Um, understands the the principles of the conservative political movement and doesn't get mixed up in all this uh, all this trash and it's just it, it's unfortunate that the republican party right now is uh, their main argument is paying off a porn star um you know isn't a campaign finance violation and then they went even further and said okay maybe it is a campaign violation but either way what gives alvin bragg the authority to enforce federal campaign finance laws um, this is a federal campaign finance violation. Well, that's not correct, right? Um, so what we know is that New York has mirror laws as well when it comes to campaign finance. New York also has state income tax returns. You know, So if you deduct hush money that you use to pay off a porn star and you try to deduct it as legal fees by routing it through uh, your lawyer, that's step transaction yeah. doctrine, right? I mean, uh, th- you, that's not a legal fee that you pay to your attorney. That's hush money you paid to a mistress and a porn star. And so yeah. you're trying to deduct a payment to a porn star on your business tax return. You know, it's just kind of like, no, you know, you're you're going to jail. And, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, it, it's unfortunate, again, that, you know, Iris criminal investigation isn't looking into this. You know, I don't see them knocking on people's doors and asking yes. questions about this payment. Um, but, you know, Trump initiated an investigation of me by the IRS before he left office and, uh, you know, they, they tried targeting. Yeah, yeah. They tried targeting oh. me for, for many years uh, and failed horribly because I'm a law abiding citizen and I'm yes, a legitimate yes, tax yes. attorney yes, that, yes. Uh, that, you know, honestly represents clients. And, you know, I push the bounds of interpretation on law, but that's called good lawyering. That's why I'm a millionaire, yes. you know. Um, yes, yes, so, yes. yeah, I think it's I think it's complete BS. You know, they, they keep giving him, you know, uh, a lot of softball passes. And it's about time that somebody held him accountable. 
and I honestly don't know why I haven't made a large contribution to District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office yet. Yes, but I'm pretty yes. sure that you know in the coming days when people realize you know what a patriot he is, um, you know the donations are going to come flooding in. I, there, there's plenty of valid reasons to to critique some of his policies as district attorney in the state and city of of uh, uh, I'm sorry in the in the area of Manhattan. But uh, but what he's done here is is historic and, and monumental, and uh, you know he's definitely carved out uh, you know a page in in the history books. And my question for you is, um, and of course, uh, I wanted to find out was, was your previous case against the FEC? Do you think that the FEC played a role in this um, indictment? Um, they could have possibly. Uh, you know, certainly this this would have been initiated with complaints to both the Federal Election Commission as well as uh, as New York authorities uh, regarding this this payment. So, um, you know, absolutely. I mean, this. To indict a former president of the United States, I can tell you right now, it's it's a team effort, uh, and there yes. are a lot of moving parts here. You know, there's the U.S. Department of Justice, the Federal Election Commission, um, you know, the New York State Tax Authorities. My case in particular, you know, one of the intentional designs of my case is to neutralize one of Donald Trump's defenses, which is the same defense yeah. that yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. traitor in chief Jefferson Davis back in the Confederate era. Um, you know, he used, which is that Section 3 of the Fourth Amendment is self-executing and thereby, you know, if he was uh, prosecuted, would violate double jeopardy. And so my case is putting that issue center forward to neutralize that so that Jack Smith doesn't have any inhibition to bring a federal indictment and criminal prosecution of Donald Trump. So, you know, again, it's there's a lot of implicit coordination and we're all working together um, to make sure that, you know, this man is held accountable. He has committed crimes left and right but he has an army of attorneys advising him um you know through through every avenue you know and that's why you know and he, he likes to add multiple layers of protection you know and what people don't seem to realize here is is there's a, a a case for willful blindness when you're the head of an organization called the trump organization right you know the trump criminal organization and you intentionally insulate yourself from learning about certain things you know about the scam of Trump, Trump University and, and all these other wrongdoings. And, oh, well, you know, I didn't read the tax returns of the organization that bears my name. You know, there comes a point where all of that totality of circumstances establishes a very compelling case of willful blindness. Right. You know, if you've intentionally designed it to to stay ignorant of what's going on within your organization, you can still be indicted and criminally prosecuted. And Donald Trump is finally being held accountable. You know, I have several questions regarding, regarding this case. I'm if he is found responsible or he's um, found guilty of the crimes here, does it disqualify him then, which is from running and should the FEC continue to, can the FEC um, bar him from running because of this violation? No, so unfortunately not, um, you know, but it's gonna be incredibly difficult to campaign if you're, you know, in jail. But, um, okay. you know, it's 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 gonna, it, well, I, I, should, I should clarify that statement. Um, Donald Trump is really good at manipulating the legal system and dragging out the court cases. Like even in my case, you know, every time 
there's 30 days for, for his side to respond. And the last day is like, let's say March 14th. They will respond at March 14th at 4.59 p.m., right? Like oh. 60 seconds. And the thing is that they, they're good at that, right? They wanna, they wanna drag out the deadline. And I can tell you that they're gonna spend about six to nine months challenging the, uh, the manner by which the indictment was secured. So it's gonna be six to nine months before the indictment is even finally upheld to be valid. And yeah. then after that, you know, is pre-trial uh, the evidentiary phase, right? So that's where you get to challenge what evidence is going to be included, not going to be included, and that can easily run six to nine months as well. And then there's a lot of pre-trial preparation that can be another yeah. six months as well. So in other words, we're talking this trial, this case may be going to trial in 2025 or 2026. After the so, presidential election. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. So, oh, you know, wow. I would characterize this as more yeah, of yeah. an insurance policy. You know, if he if he were to somehow pull off a the world's greatest stunning upset, which he he pulled that fast one on us the first time, right? Because he was yeah. a clown, he was a joker, we didn't take him serious. He's not getting that pass again, right? He woke up a sleeping giant and now all of us are fully activated. And that's why he lost the last election by 7 million votes. And trust me, he's going to win, lose the next one by 10 million votes. It's going to get even worse for him. So I don't think there's a chance in hell that he'll get elected. He hasn't gotten more popular for, since January 6th. That's for goddamn sure, right? I mean, he's only lost support within the Republican Party. You know, the, the, the sensible ones that are not part of the cult have woken up and said, I can't be a part of this. Um, so there's no chance in hell that he wins the, the election. And not only that, but again, we're my case and, and several others, like even Adrian Fontes, uh, the Secretary of State in Arizona, he may actually on his own choose to not allow Trump on the ballot in Arizona. And there you go. There's a swing state he can't even have access to. So that being said, I can tell you right now that there there's no chance he would get elected. But even if he did, again, let's assume coup d'etat happens something, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the point is, is that this is an insurance policy against that against that very remote 1% out of 1% possibility, you know, 0.001% chance. We now have an insurance policy against that. And so I can just tell you right now that it's, it's over for him. That's what this indictment basically means. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But next, um, and I can tell you right now that a lot of people think that this is, this is the big one, right? But... This to me represents two things. One, the insurance policy, and number two, it was a dry run to kind of see how the MAGA world would respond. You know, would they try to ransack the courthouse like they did with Congress on January 6th? But it's been pretty mellow, right? You know, the, the, the crowds that are out, outside of the courthouse are actually anti-Trump crowds, right? There's very few pro-Trump people there. So what happened yeah. is, you know, they they all turned out to be uh, you know, a bunch of chick chits, didn't want to show up, and so, <laughs> Uh, now, what that's going to do is that's going to embolden the yes. DOJ at the federal level to say, okay, then we could bring an indictment of this guy. It's not going to be as bad as it was on January 6th. Uh, most of the radicals that, that were even there on January 6th have all been arrested, right? They're all in decent jails. Um, that sends uh, you know, a clear message to everybody else, you know, F around, find out. And so, yeah, I think this this is a dry run. They're also preparing to to bring an indictment at the federal level. They already forced Pence to testify. They forced his attorney to testify. Um, and actually, this week, J 
Judge Cannon yeah. is expected to issue a ruling on or before Friday. I'm happy you said that. I was, that was going to be my next question. Um, and for those of us who are joining live on Facebook, welcome to part two of the series, Castro v. Trump. This is part two right here on the Neoliberal Round podcast. And just so you know that Mr. Trump, was, uh, sorry, Mr. Castro was is the main plaintiff and he's also running for president and he's, he's here with us providing us an update. Now, the last time you had said that... Um, Donald Trump had um, uh, um, this well issued a um, levied a applied for a motion to dismiss the case, your lawsuit against him, saying that he is ineligible. Yeah. Now, um, however, but you had asked for a recusal of Judge Eileen Cannon. What's what's going on with Judge Eileen Cannon? Is she still yeah. on the case? Um, oh, where yeah. are you able to get her recused? What's going on? Yeah, so the motion uh, to recuse is is uh, on appeal right now uh, okay. via mandamus action uh, before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. And so that's right now. Um, we should have an answer by the end of next Friday, actually. So what? not an answer, sorry. They're going to docket the case. And then after yeah. they docket the case, they ask for a brief. So unfortunately, the wheels of justice turn incredibly slow, you know, and, uh, and there's nothing we can do about that. But next Friday they would issue the, or they would docket the case. Then they would set the schedule. So they would say, okay, you know, my brief is due by this date. And then their response is due 30 days after that. So we're going to file it ASAP. We already have it ready to go, right? So as soon as they yeah. do that, they, they say, I got 30 days. No, to me, I got 30 minutes. I'm going to submit that like ASAP because then that triggers their filing requirement um, and expedites it. So then they'll only have 30 days to respond. And then we're already going to have the response ready to go probably within 24 hours after theirs. And then after that, the court generally has 30 to 60 days. But in this case, they would likely expedite it to 30 days to uh, make an official ruling. So yeah. that uh, that pretty much guarantees that I'd say by the end of May, so by June 1st, there should be a ruling on the mandamus. Now, that puts pressure on Judge Eileen Cannon. Because right now, um, our little moles uh, you know, in her court uh, among the clerks have said that she's trying to She's trying to craft an order right now, right? She's having to yeah. draft it up. She's trying to try make it make it as logical as she possibly can. And so uh, what's happening is they initially wanted to say that I don't have standing, but there was concern there because everything I've alleged has to be accepted as true in the dismissal yeah. phase. And so she she's not allowed to make uh, calls on questions of fact yet. And so for her to say that I don't have standing would violate well-established principles going back 150 years. Yeah. And so basically the the law clerks are like, you know, Judge Cannon, like we can't do that, right? I mean, that's going to further embolden his position that you're abusing your discretion. So what wow. they advised her is let's find standing, but then let's say that Section 3 of the Fourth Amendment is not self-executing, doesn't provide independent grounds for, you know, this, this case. And yeah. we can rule on that basis. But Judge Cannon is scared because that, is the merits of the case, right? That allows me to then have a ruling on this from the Supreme Court before November, yeah. before we even file in New Hampshire. And so that's that's a big deal as well, right? And so she's just like, well, so she threw out the idea apparently to her law clerks, what if we just don't decide, right? Let's just withhold judgment. He would have to wait 90 days before he cannot even file a writ of mandamus to try to force me to issue a ruling. But then they advised her, yeah, but he has the writ of mandamus already pending in the recusal. So the longer yeah. you wait and the more you abuse your discretion and withholding judgment, 
the more that it's going to prove that you are abusing your discretion and they're going to cycle you out and put a new judge, most likely an Obama appointee or, you know, even worse, a Bill Clinton appointee yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and or, or even a Bush senior, right? Because, or, or Bush junior, because those are establishment Republicans who also despise Trump. So yeah. basically it's not going to be good. And so they, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because they're, they're trying to decide like, okay, then we have to issue a ruling. If we don't find standing, that they, they're willing to just get easily overturned on that. That adds more credence to the abuse and we get cycled out. But the, 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 what they're likely going forward with right now and what one law clerk reported to us is that they're gonna find standing, but they're gonna rule against the merits on section three. And that's gonna undercut my claim that she's abusing her discretion, right? Because she's gonna say, well, how can I be abusing my discretion? I found that you have standing, right? So that shows that I'm a fair and impartial judge. Uh, yeah. And to be honest, that would be a smart move because she would likely then be able to stay on the case in the event that yeah. she, it was reversed and remanded back to trial. So that, that seems to be the leading contender, so, so to speak, of the position that, that they're gonna take. And that's likely the order that they're drafting at this very moment right now in, in their chambers. Yeah. You know, the law clerks are all getting together and typing it out because, you know, obviously they get their ass handed to them last time with the whole Trump intervention and the 11th Circuit overturned her. Said, yeah. hey, that was unconstitutional and abuse of discretion. So they don't want that to happen again. And so they're being yes. very, very careful about it right now. Okay, and um, as it relates, so what are the chances you think, what how, um, in terms of the ruling next week, Friday, do you think, what's, what do you think the, the ruling is going to be? Um, so actually for, for the trial uh, case, for Judge Cannon, it's going to be most likely this Friday. And okay, so okay. I, yeah, I think that she's going to issue an order uh, stating that I do have standing, political competitor standing. However, I fail to state a claim upon which relief can be granted, which is that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is not self-executing, doesn't provide independent okay. grounds. And so it would be dismissed on that basis. And then what I would do is file a notice of appeal. And that's it. Now the substance of the case goes to the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. We'd see how they would rule. Um, that's a toss up. It's a conservative court, but it's an establishment conservative court, which means yeah. that they are not favorable towards Trump, but they are favorable towards Republicans, uh, yeah. true conservative yeah. Republicans, you know. And so uh, it's it's going to be very interesting. You know, uh, it, it's a yeah. toss up on how it could go. I really do think that the 11th Circuit has had enough of Trump. And I think they want to close the chapter. I think they want to provide a path for Ron DeSantis. And so I think they would hold that the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment does provide independent cause of action and remand that back down for a trial. Now, at that point, Trump would appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I think the smart move would be that they would simply deny certiorari. So they wouldn't take up the case. If they did... Uh, I, I do think they would uphold the 11th Circuit and basically hold that uh, Section 34th Amendment is self-executing and, again, remand it back down to the lower court for trial. And so at that point in November, um, we'd have that ruling. We would then immediately file what's called a Rule 12C motion for judgment on the pleadings and basically say, hey, look, there's no dispute of fact here. And we don't want to get Trump's deposition, right? Because he's going to argue privilege and all this other BS. So we're just going to argue, look, he said it on national TV. He also said he's part of the January 6th insurrectionist. We know that. We all saw it. So we're going to motion for judgment on the pleadings on that basis and then see how the court rules. And then that is what would be fast-tracked up to the Supreme Court again. And, uh, and then at that point, there could be a ruling that he did. Now, if that happened, 
and let's say Supreme Court denies certiorari and the 11th Circuit upheld it. Yes. That is simply a court declaration stating that he did violate Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Now what I have to do is with that court order, I walk down to the Secretary of State's office in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, yes. and I file state level actions and I say, I have a court order from the United States you know, District Court for the Southern District of Florida stating that Donald J. Trump violated Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And on that basis, he's ineligible to be on the ballot in this state. So I'd file a lawsuit against the Pennsylvania yeah. Secretary of State, Michigan, all of them. And that's that. They would uh, yes. they would basically say, well, we have to, we, we can't ignore a federal court order. And so then Donald Trump, Donald Trump's name would be ordered removed from the ballots in those respective states. And there would be zero path for him to get to 270 electoral votes. So that would be it. That's that's the whole nice. That's the whole thing in a in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> and um, for those of us who missed um, the some of the arguments and the precedents that he's presenting before, you could check part one of the series. And um, and so that's the ultimate goal for the is is that it will probably ultimately end up at uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, who will make a ruling. And of course, some time ago, you said you were saying that um, you believe that most of the of the justices might side or may side with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because we got the three liberals on the court, right? Yeah, there's yeah. no question about that. Ju Chief Justice John Roberts, he's on our side. We know that 100 percent. You know, people would dispute that and be like, oh, well, no, trust me. He's 100 yes, percent on our yes. side. Uh, he's an institutionalist. He does not like Donald Trump's anti-institution, um, you know, rhetoric. Yes. Uh, the question then at that point becomes, well, okay, that's four. Who's your fifth vote? Uh, well, number one, there's two strategies. The first is compel a recusal of Chief or of uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, right? Okay. Because his wife was there at January 6th. There's no question it creates a, uh, a public perception of, of partiality. And, uh, and so if we could do that, then we'd be locked 4-4, which means whatever the 11th Circuit ruled would be upheld. And we okay. know that they're gonna side with us, right? Yeah. So that's strategy number one. Strategy number two, or option number two, is uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Neil Gorsuch. So Neil Gorsuch, he was obviously appointed by Trump. What a lot of people don't know is if you study his judicial philosophy, he's a libertarian. So he yeah. sympathizes with a lot of the arguments that Trump has about the deep state, which basically is this vast, unchecked uh, bureaucratic state of, of, you know, unelected government bureaucrats that uh, that that wield way too much power. Um, and, and I agree with that. Like, I'm anti-deep state big time. Uh, you know, I want to uh, rein in a lot of those executive powers. Yeah. But also still, nevertheless, Neil Gorsuch is an institutionalist. And yeah. he really wants to preserve institutions and he sees the threat that trump poses to that brett kavanaugh i think at the end of the day he's gonna side with trump right so um you know some people will call him 50 50 i don't buy it i think brett is just you know just a, a, a trump sycophant uh, but gorsuch gorsuch is guided by principles he's a man of principles and we are absolutely certain he would side with us so even in the event that uh justice thomas didn't recuse we know we got Roberts and Gorsuch and the three liberals. And right there, we have 5-4, or if Thomas is out, 5-3. So again, uh, I I think, you know, the, that classical phrase of like, you know, Donald Trump's days are numbered. 
yeah. is really true here. You know, there there's a definite number of days that is left, right? And all he can try to do right now is run the clock and kick the can down the road, delay, delay, delay. But he's only delaying the inevitable. There is simply no path to him reclaiming the presidency. All he's trying to do right now is delay criminal prosecution and delay being held accountable. But uh, he's pissed off too many people, including me. And uh, yes. I can tell you, and, uh, we when I get involved have... something, I don't feel. And we only, we only, I'm going to try and wrap up in two minutes. We're going to make this episode short so we could make it available quickly on Twitter and so on, since that's the yeah. new way now. And just so your case is the only case right now that speaks to President, um, Mr. Trump uh, violation yeah. of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And you're saying that because of that, he should not run as, he should not be a presidential candidate. Your case is that it's the only case right now. Yeah, it's the only case. And I can tell you the reason why no other Republican has brought this case is number one, they're spineless, right? Like they lack yeah. executive leadership skills. So Ron DeSantis, uh, Chris Christie, all, all these guys, right? They're a bunch of spineless scumbags, you know? And yeah. they don't have the guts, right? It's just like stand up for what you believe in, you know? They yeah. like to call yeah. themselves, you know, pretend that they're all alpha. It's just like, <laughs> I don't think anything can get more alpha than challenging yeah. the most powerful politician <laughs> on the planet Earth. So, you know, I I have that courage because I have that executive leadership. And that's the reason why, again, I'm offering that executive leadership to the people of this country. And it's just like, yeah, I am absolutely serious. I am campaigning for the presidency of the United States actively. I already have scheduled visits in New Hampshire with Repu 